All right. I think I remembered how to preach. All right. So let me, let me get a show of hands. Who in here would you call yourself a morning person? Raise your hand real quick. All right. Keep your hands up because I, wa- I, I want you to notice something. If you, if you have your hand raised, let me tell you what everybody who does not have their hand raised right now is thinking about you. What is wrong with that person? Okay. You can put your hands down, but if you raised your hand, let me tell you what you're thinking about everybody who didn't raise their hand. How do you get anything done? I mean, what a waste of time, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a morning person, okay? I had a dad who, um, and I have a dad whose legacy in my life is he'd get up at like 4.30 in the morning and just like bull in a china shop. You know, I just, I've been trained through the years, so I just, I just wake up about 5 in the morning and I'm up. But when I hear of some of you that you can sleep to like all hours of the day, like 7 a.m., I mean, or... No, okay, honestly, that's understandable. But when I start hearing 11 a.m., I'm like, you are wasting your life right now, okay? Here's, here's the thing that happens, though. I hit about 3 in the afternoon. I'm like, it's, well, it's dinner time. And, uh, and then we should be in bed by like 6. And that, that's problematic at night, okay? I, I, my kids draw on me and stuff like that because I just can't keep the eyes open. Well, here's my aim this morning. My aim is that for every single person in here, that you, in the next 30 minutes or less, would be open to being a morning person. And I know some of you are like, impossible, Nathan. It's going to take an act of God. Well, fortunately, we've got the Word of God. Let me read this passage to you. This has been one of, it's been a life verse for me. You know, we've been talking about life verses. And the whole idea of a life verse is, is one of those passages that when it intersects with your story, it becomes God's testimony to share with the world. And so let me read. This is from the book of Lamentations, okay? And we'll get into the context of that in a minute. But it says this in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions, and some translations say mercies, <clears throat> excuse me, for his mercies never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Now, what you have here, you've got like this inspiring passage. In fact, if I think about everybody that's in here right now, I'm guessing you don't probably need a whole lot of help having this illustrated to you. You probably don't need to have a whole lot of help even having this explained to you. But here's where I believe we begin to struggle. You look at a passage like this, and and this is a passage that's part of um, a few songs, uh, five songs that make up the book of Lamentations, okay? And what had happened is the Babylonians had invaded Jerusalem, and they carried off a bunch of the residents of Jerusalem. Well, there was a remnant that was left behind, and as they looked around at the devastation— And in their shame and in their grief, they wrote these songs. Now, nobody knows for sure who wrote this, but tradition ascribes it to the prophet Jeremiah. Okay, and it's when you begin to look at Jeremiah and his circumstances and all that had happened that you begin to see this has tremendous, tremendous application for us today. In fact, some of you, uh, hopefully you grabbed sermon notes on the way in. There are a few situations that I, I just can tell you, it's just coming. Okay, you're going to find yourself in one of these situations, especially if we think in terms of a school year or if we were to just think one year from right now, 
you're going to run into these situations. It's, it's not all going to be just one of them. You're going to touch on every single one of these. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of spin this passage around in light of a few of those life situations that we're going to encounter over the next year. And so if you've got sermon notes, the first one is one that many of you, you may be there right now. It's when nothing's going well. And that, those are the blanks. When nothing is going well. And some of you go, oh, amen. Like, that's where I'm at right now, or that's where I've just come out of. And here's the thing. When you get into th- that description, when, when you look at life and it's like, yeah, <laughs> nothing seems to be going well right now. What happens is we're prone to despair. We're absolutely prone to despair. And what we tend to do when we despair is underestimate God. Okay, we just left some blank notes under each of those headings for you to just make some notes. But one of the things you just got to know that you're in danger of is underestimating God. And there's despair. And if that is you, I want to introduce you to the prophet Jeremiah who wrote this. Because to me, it is phenomenal that he could even write what, he, what we just read. Okay, Jeremiah. If you, if you were to go through the book of Jeremiah, you learn his story. Okay, Jeremiah, he got this really unwanted call to preach. And when you begin to read what God was asking him to preach to the remnant, to the people, it's, I mean, you wouldn't want it either. Because God says, you're going to preach nothing but judgment to the people. All right? Sign me up for that. No, no thanks. Nobody wants that. Jeremiah didn't want it either. On top of it, Jeremiah, the Lord forbid him to marry because he said, I want you to give yourself fully to this ministry, Jeremiah. And so he began to mourn, as you can imagine. He began to get sad. He began to get depressed. And eventually, he actually states he wanted to escape, really, this ministry for the Lord. In over a 50-year span of ministry, do you know there is not one record of one convert under Jeremiah's preaching? Right? I mean, how does that make you feel? You know, some of you are words of affirmation people. You know, I'm one of those. You know, you can go like a week and be okay. You can go a couple weeks and be okay. But sooner or later, don't we all start looking around, whether it's at your job, it's at home, it's just somewhere you go, I wonder how I'm doing. I wonder how I'm doing. Now imagine 50 years, 50 years, this ministry you never wanted, and there just seems to be no fruit. In fact, the king, King Zedekiah, was so just disappointed with what was going on. He didn't like Jeremiah's preaching. See what he did? He imprisoned him. On top of all that, he's like, yeah, I don't like it. Go to prison. Can you imagine that, that somebody would have the power to imprison me if they didn't like my preaching? It's just terrible. Some of you are like, ooh, I like this, all right? So it just, the king didn't like it. So the Babylonians show up, and while Jeremiah is in this dungeon, they just start taking everybody. And you know what? You know what Jeremiah didn't do? Jeremiah didn't do the thing that you and I would be so tempted to do. I told you guys. I told you. Just standing there behind bars. I knew this was going to happen. And then he's probably thinking, who's going to get me out of here if they take everybody, right? And as they're invading Jerusalem and carrying people off, do you know what Jeremiah, if tradition holds true, you know what he did? Lamentations. He joins the people. He joins the remnant in their shame and in their grief. And he, he really, he's considered the weeping prophet. It's like he's, he's getting into it with them. 
you look at all that and you go, oh my goodness. Now, with all that in mind, okay, after 64 verses in the book of Lamentations of just weeping and grieving and mourning and shame, we read this. Let me read it to you again. Just the beginning. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Okay, what? Jeremiah, you're telling me you're sitting there perhaps in a dungeon and you say, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Do you want to know one of the greatest skills you can learn in the middle of nothing going well? It's this thing called yetting. I just made this up, okay? But yetting. And it's this thing that Jeremiah wrote. Yet this I call to mind. What is he doing right now? He's remembering. The synonym for yetting is remembering. He's remembering, okay, well, God's been good to me. I mean, all the externals are like completely, completely broken, and yet internally, uh, even when I'm dealing with the brokenness in there, what does he do? He says, oh, I remember. I remember how God's mercies are new every single morning. Great is his faithfulness. There, I, I, I've been trying to go on morning walks regularly, and uh, it's about, I don't know, 5.45, 6 in the morning. I'll get near a park by our house, and it's just like clockwork. There is this, this little old man that he pulls up in his forest green Buick along the curb every single day, and uh, you can almost time it now. You know, I, I'll be going along the sidewalk, and I, I just see, oh, here comes, here comes George, okay? And so George is like coasting down the street, and this has been happening every single morning, this morning included. He comes in, and I can see him from about 100 yards away. He, he comes in for a landing along the curb just like this. You know, he coasts to a stop, and, and he'll keep it, and I'll like wave at him, and he goes, and I'm sitting here thinking, why are you saluting me? Okay, this is, I, I'm, I was never in the military. Okay, I'm not wearing a uniform. There, there's no need to be saluting me. So one day I said, George, why are you saluting me? He's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not saluting you. I just want you to know I noticed you. I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. And I thought, there it is. Do you want to know the key to remembering when nothing's going well? Is remembering that you've been noticed by your heavenly father. That every single morning, no matter how things are going, you know what the yet is? Yet he saw me. And he saw me and he valued me so much that he would give, he would turn his attention toward us. That he would pour out his mercies upon us. And so this is a good time before we dive into the, the swirl and the churn and all the busyness and the calendar filling up to look back and say, yet this I call to mind, even if nothing's going well. So that's one situation that we're bound to encounter in the coming year. Okay, next situation, the next part of your notes, when everything is going great. When everything's going great. Now, if nothing's going well, you know, despair is really the danger. But when everything's going great, and, and I'm sure you could go, oh, well, there's this little thing I wish was better or this. But by and large, everything just going wonderfully. You, you sit here and you, you almost pinch yourself because you think, wow. I mean, it, it's just things have been really smooth. Do you want to know what the great danger is for us? Because we can get self-dependent, can't we? 
See, in despair, we underestimate God. But when it comes to self-dependence, you know what we do? We overestimate who? Ourselves. Yeah, we tend to look around and we begin to think, wow, I'm doing a pretty good job, aren't I? Well, aren't I amazing? Gosh, aren't I incredible? Hey, did everybody see that? That was, that was so cool, you know? And, and okay, you guys are, let's hypothetically speak, I've never done that in my life, okay? But this is just, it tends to be human nature. When things are going really, really well, we tend to give ourselves way too much credit. This is why in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, And I'm so grateful. Todd Lanting, he was a pastor here years ago. He would remind us of this constantly. And I think it's because Todd knew this from experience, but Todd didn't just know this from experience. This is the human experience. Deuteronomy chapter 8, okay? God's people, they're entering the promised land, and they get a speech before they enter in. In fact, I'm going to read part of it. It'll be up on the screen with you. Listen to what we do. Listen to what we do when everything is going great. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, you will build fine houses and settle down. And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud And you will forget the Lord your God and listen to this list. Just listen to the things that get listed off that the Lord had done for him. Who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. In fact, a few verses before this, it's also included, your clothes didn't wear out, your feet didn't swell up. It goes on. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. And I read that and I went, amen. This is what we do. We just get puffed up. And when everything's going great, we just start overestimating ourselves. You know why? Because that's what sin did to us. We don't know how to perceive um, tough circumstances. We don't know how to perceive good circumstances. We just get lost, and it distorts our view of things. With that in mind, listen again to what Jeremiah says. And I want to emphasize a little bit different part here. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of who? The Lord. Yeah, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, you want to know how we would write this when things are going great? You know how we would read this? A lot of times it's like this, and you would probably never do this out loud, but at the heart level, we say, wow, because of my greatness, I am not consumed, right? For my achievements never fail. They are new every morning. Great is my greatness, right? This is just what we can do. We can get into that. And I think as I read what Jeremiah has to say, knowing his context, knowing his situation, I sit there and I think, wow, if he could say that in the middle of that situation, how much more should we be praising and thanking and remembering and crediting God when everything's going great, right? 
Absolutely. There, there's this thing. You guys, you hear a lot from me about Tom Brady, the great Michigan Wolverine. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to flip the tables and I'm going to give you a story about Tom Brady that um, you've been longing to hear. Because while I'm sitting here uh, just remembering his Michigan days, I, I see all the grumbles and I can see all the glares and stuff like that. It was the Super Bowl back in 2007. Okay, Tom Brady has led the New England Patriots to this undefeated regular season. You remember this, some of you. And they are just cruising through everybody. In fact, most of that season, it really wasn't even a contest for them. He had Randy Moss, I believe, at receiver. And they just, their defense was incredible. Well, they finally get to the Super Bowl and they come up against the New York Giants. Okay, and I don't know if you, those of you that are really into sports, if you remember this season, New England, who had just steamrolled everybody, came into this game, and I think we all, we all like to think that they came in, you know, all puffed up and prideful, and maybe they did, just thinking, okay, this is just going to be just like we've done this whole season. We've got what it takes, and, and we're 60 minutes from the Super Bowl uh, championship, you know, the Lombardi Trophy. Well, the New York Giants came out, and they just hit them in the mouth. And it was the first game I can recall, even as I looked through like the box scores of that season, that New England actually had a tough go of things. See, there's this thing that happens when everything's going great. We tend to forget, we tend to forget that it wasn't completely our ability that got us there. Now, that's a sports analogy, right? But the parallels are so clear. I mean, when we get success tends to deceive us, doesn't it? When things are going smoothly and everything's going great all the time. And so one of the greatest things we can do, you know, the, the first thing I said is yetting and it's remembering. The second is becausing. Okay, and that's looking around at our lives and listing off what, what are the real reasons I have any of what I have in my life. See, this is a reliance thing. It's remember what God has done for you when nothing's going well. And it's who do I rely on when everything's going great? And the, one of the best things you can do is list off those blessings and go, why do I have this? Where did I get this? Where, where did I even get the ability or the strength to accomplish this? See, we tend to come back to ourselves as the source. Okay, finally, one more situation that I know we are bound to come across in the next year. is this third set of blanks on your notes. When things are going fine. And I don't really mean fine. Let me tell you the kind of fine I mean. This is like when you, hypothetically speaking, you you ask somebody, how you doing? Fine. Right? Is that fine? Like really? Have you ever asked somebody, really, are you fine? Because your tone and your face and your body language said, no, you're not fine. But often this is what we do, right? And what I mean by this is when things are going okay. See, when things are going okay, you know what we tend to want? We want just a little bit more right? I could just make things a little bit better, right? Some things are, are a, a great thing and some things are a not so great thing. So if I could just make things a little better, you know what? Then I'd be satisfied. And the danger that we face when life is just kind of 50-50 or 70-30 or 60-40, you know, somewhere in there, the danger we face is really discontentment. We tend to look around and we go, oh, I just... We can get so focused in on the one thing that's not right or the one thing that I just wish was a little bit better. And discontentment is always the enemy of patience. We want our version of progress. We want things to be our pace. We want things to be our preferences. 
every single time. And if you dwell on those things, you will lose patience and you'll forget how to wait. Jeremiah, it really, he, he speaks to this dynamic. And remember, this is Jeremiah in his situation, but here's what he says. <clears throat> I say to myself, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. See, a lot of times it's hard to remember that, isn't it? Because I think I have to be my portion or I think other people need to be my portion and that they're somehow responsible for my portion. And Jeremiah says, no, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion. And so he'll do what? He'll wait. He'll wait. I I, I don't want better. I'm not going to take things into my own hands and try to get it sooner or make things go faster or further or any of that. I will wait. See, this is really learning how to receive, how to receive from God. Instead of running out the door and chasing everything, how do we receive? How do we remember God? How do we rely on God? How do we receive from God? There's a story of Kurt Vonnegut. You know, it's a gathering of some writers and authors. And Kurt Vonnegut, who wrote um, Slaughterhouse-Five, was there with another author, Joseph Heller, who wrote this wildly popular Catch-22 novel. So they were talking, and they're at this party, and Kurt Vonnegut said to Joseph Heller, hey, the guy who is, the guy who's hosting this party, he's a hedge fund manager, he has made more in one day this week than you've made on Catch-22 the entire time you've had it. And Joseph Heller said something that I thought was so interesting in return. He said, you know what? He may have hosted all this stuff and provided all this stuff, but I have something he will never have. Enough. Enough. I mean, isn't that it right there? When is enough enough? You know, when, whether life is nothing's going well or everything's going great or things are just okay, things are just fine. When is enough enough? And so one of the things that, I, that I'd ask us to come back to this morning, regardless of how life's going right now or how it's going to go, is remembering, relying, receiving. And, and the reason I bring up those three postures and those three practices is because this is what begins to instill faith in us. This is the kind of thing that God uses to author our faith, Right? You, you want to know what Jeremiah is getting at here? Is that when you know his mercies in the morning, you're nourished in the night. I mean, here's this guy that's in the darkness of life just for day after day after day. And yet, why, how does he get up and do what he does? It's because he gets up every single morning. He says, okay, I remember, I rely, I receive. I know his mercies. And what Jeremiah is actually coming to, what he's actually bringing us to, is the character of God no matter what the circumstances of life look like. When you know his mercies in the morning, you are nourished in the night. And oftentimes it takes life and the darkness of life settling in for us to remember that. Now, here's the incredible thing about Lamentations. And this is more of a contextual literary thing. The book of Lamentations, each song in it 
is, is 22 verses except for chapter 3. Okay, and those 22 verses and chapter 3 actually begin with each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The ABC, the Hebrew ABCs. Now, why do I bring that up? Because in the middle of the circumstances of life, here's Jeremiah recalling mercies as easily as we would recall our ABCs. You want to know what recalling God's mercy should be like to us? It should be as, as rehearsed, but also as simple. We should be as familiar with that as our ABCs. But a lot of times it's not what happens, is it? We go, oh God, where are you at? You know, th- th- things aren't great, or, or wow, look at me, look what I've done, or things are so-so. And Jeremiah, in the middle of it, he goes, no, his mercies are there. Great is his faithfulness, and it is there every single morning. I'm telling you, when you sit with somebody, especially in their final moments, there is something that emerges. About four years ago, uh, family friend of ours, Terry Greer. Uh, Terry Greer was actually our family chiropractor um, for years and years and years. When I was born in northern Michigan, my dad was in the Coast Guard in northern Michigan back in 1980 when I was born. And on my way home, I've only come to learn because I don't remember this, on my way home three days old from the hospital, I found out we stopped at the chiropractor where my mom was a, she worked for Terry Greer in northern Michigan. And apparently he adjusted my back. That whole process messes you up. I don't know if you knew that. But anyway, he adjusted my back and um, his daughter, uh, Julie, actually uh, babysat me. While my mom would go to work for Terry, Julie would babysat me. And and they're now here in Littleton. In fact, they sit in our congregation. I can't tell you how humbling it is to get up here and preach and know there's a lady who literally changed my diapers right there. This is... This is uh, very humbling, actually. And so, anyhow, Terry, um, Terry got sick um, five years ago, uh, into four years ago. And as this illness just ravaged his body and things were beginning to take a turn, I had the opportunity in the week before he passed to go out to the hospital and sit at his bedside. And I will never forget the final conversation I had with our friend Terry Greer. Because I said, Terry, what are you thinking about right now? What comes to mind? And I mean, he's, he's, got, he's hooked up to machines and, and the, the breathing is labored. And as he sat there and you could hear each breath, he's just laboring and straining for each breath. He said, I'm grateful for the air. I breathe. And the birds that I see fly by. And the plants outside. And I'm sitting here just thinking, oh my goodness, this is the stuff we walk past, we drive past, we literally breathe in the mercy of God. But then he said this, and my Savior the cross. See, for Jeremiah, in the middle of really nothing going well, he was still able to look and see the mercies of God. And for Terry Greer, in his final moments, he looked around. And you know what he saw? The mercy of God 
in the form of a Savior who died for you and me on a cross. Now, I'm not here to tell you exactly what to do. I am here to make a recommendation. Whether you get up at 4 in the morning or 11 in the morning, you can be a morning person. If you will get up and if you will notice the mercies of God, I am telling you, it will nourish you in the night. And so, with that being said, I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Let me, let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we don't, we don't know the wisdom and the magnitude and the love woven into and behind all your plans. I mean, there's so much that we look around at, and, and there's just a question mark. And yet we do know this. What Jeremiah said is true. Great is your faithfulness. And Lord, Lord, just thank you this morning for open eyes and maybe a deeper look and a, and a higher glimpse of his situation so that we can see your presence, your mercy, your compassion, your faithfulness in the midst of it. As we step forward, whether it's a school year or it's just another day or just another week or just another month, Lord, let us look forward with new eyes. Let us look around and see your mercies. Those simple things that we've overlooked illuminate those to us. But Lord, more than anything, we ask that you would put the cross front and center, what our Savior did for us there. Put it front and center in front of us so that we would wake up, no matter what time that is, every single day and say, your mercy is new every single morning. May that be applied to any and every situation and circumstance we find ourselves in. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.